Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 220. Today's episode is all about surviving the worst and creating the best. When I was in my deepest, darkest night of the soul, after the bombings took place, trying to reconcile all that had happened, and I couldn't, I got curious at some stage. And I got curious because my meditation teacher planted the seed. She said, someday you're going to see this as the greatest gift in your life. And I thought, are you crazy? Even though I was upset and angry in that moment, you know, something landed. And fast forward over time, I started to ask myself different questions. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. It's a new day, a new episode, and a new opportunity to subscribe to the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you always know about new episodes. Plus, it makes you one of my favorite people. Because the more subscribers I have, the more I attract amazing guests to help better serve you. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I'd love to share a review from the one and only Kat from Canada, who says, I'm absolutely addicted. I am loving Melissa's podcast. She actually listens and engages with her guests, and it feels like I'm right there with her. She's real, honest, and yet keeps it positive. I love my mornings now, as I listen to her podcast while I get ready to take on the day. Thank you for making my crazy feel normal. Well, thank you so much, Kat. You're definitely my one and only cat today because this totally lit up my weekend. Thank you so much. And now let's give our minds a little love. How is it that the worst thing that has ever happened to you can become the greatest gift of your life? Being traumatized by someone you love, getting in an accident that changes you physically or emotionally, a diagnosis that threatens your life, These are things that we hope will never happen to us. And then one day, we find ourselves right in the middle of it. A victim of someone or of a circumstance or of just life. For me, it's easier to see a positive perspective in hindsight. I'm no longer right in the depths of my pain. But I don't even think the hindsight positive comes naturally. Back in 2008, I ended up in a relationship that... At the time, I thought destroyed my life. It started out too good to be true, and it was. I went from being wooed and showered with gifts and staying in five-star resorts for months at a time to sitting in a jail cell for crimes I didn't commit. To make matters worse, I couldn't even afford a good attorney to have my back. And as for the person who was at fault, even though most of his personal money was stolen— His family still paid nearly $50,000 for his defense. Long story short, I took a deal because I didn't know I had any other choice. And my reputation, my record was ruined. How did I go from being a straight A honors student with all the potential in the world to being viewed as a criminal who would likely have a hard time getting a minimum wage job? This was the worst thing that had ever happened to me, I thought. How could I let myself be taken by a sociopath? I hated what he did to me. I hated him. I hated myself for being so stupid. And I hated my life because what did I even have to live for anymore? I woke up every day for a year with an immediate pit in my stomach as I realized it wasn't all just a dream. Well, one day I realized that all I could do was move forward. It was the only choice I had left. So I started to make new decisions. I didn't have as many options as I would have had a few years before. I definitely did not want to write my crazy story on two lines of a job application. So I started to teach myself digital marketing. I won a contest for free conference tickets for a digital marketing conference. And then I won a contest at that conference, which attracted clients and set up my freelance career for the next two years. What are even the chances of that? 
And digital marketing still helps immensely with what I do today. Eventually, I didn't feel like my life was ruined anymore, just pivoted. And maybe that pivot landed me somewhere better, somewhere even more aligned with my soul, with the gifts I'm meant to give to the world. There were a lot of steps in between. There always are, right? If I would have just got up the day I was released from jail and said, this was the best thing to ever happen to me, I probably would not have believed it. When terrible things happen now, I can come to those conclusions a little faster because I've seen the evidence in my past of how the universe works. But when I was in the thick of it all, all I could see was my brokenness. I stopped looking forward for a while because it felt too painful. Instead, I just focused on each day, putting one foot in front of the other, choosing one thing at a time that would feel good. Movement, learning, friendships, Yeah, I was still partying pretty hard, but hey, transformation doesn't come all at once. After a while, I started to recreate my life. And like I said, it started to feel better than the life I had before. Then I started to challenge my thoughts about how I got here. What if it really was the best thing that has ever happened to me? What if that trauma was really meant for me? It was the slingshot toward entrepreneurship. It inspired me to move. I was never really so easily taken advantage of. I connected to my intuition rather than my need to be loved. But it wasn't the trauma of the situation that gave me the positive perspective. Plenty of people go through something terrible and they sit in their pain their whole lives thinking that they can't help what happened to them and it's all someone else's fault. And part of it is. We can't always help who hurts us or what happens to us. And wishing we had seen it or made a different decision just keeps us in the trauma. So just going through something hard doesn't always make you stronger. You don't always see it from a positive perspective, even with time. It's the little decisions in between, the tiny actions that start to recreate your life. Then you start to build evidence for your own power and you can see how you were guided. And for me, in my story, my pain was mostly psychological so I didn't have the added challenge of healing my body. But today we're talking to someone who has, and our guest is Jennifer Kaufman. On April 15th of 2013, the Boston Marathon witnessed a horrific event. Five people died and 264 people were seriously injured from the bombings, and Jennifer was one of them. And in an instant, her whole world was shattered. Surviving a terrorist attack led her to ask that question. What good can possibly come from this? And on her four-year journey of healing, she discovered that she had to just stare at herself in the mirror and forgive her own inner terrorist, as hard as that was. When she was asked to present as a witness to prosecute her attacker in court, she ended up finding total peace when she just looked at her attacker and forgave him. And then, really knowing in her heart that she had come full circle, she ended up running the 2017 Boston Marathon, and this time she finished it. So that attack became the greatest gift of her life. And now she's the producer of two Emmy Award-winning films, an award-winning documentary, A New Leash on Life, and an Emmy-nominated Broadway show, Dream Big. And she's actually releasing a new movie, There's Got to Be More to Life, Transforming Through Trauma. So three key things we will learn today are the first step for healing your mind and body naturally, what to do when you can't think of anything but your pain, and the process for letting go of resistance. We're all here just trying to live our best lives, right? And while you're here listening to a podcast, you might feel like you're on the right track, but then you visit family or you have a work deadline or something unexpected comes up and you're all stressed out and it feels like all the work is out the window. That's why it's so important to consciously curate what you can control, like who you surround yourself with, what you watch, what you listen to. So I'm going to add another podcast to your toolbox, The Dr. John Deloney Show. He has a PhD in counseling and has been sitting with hurting people for 20 years. He shares practical advice for everything from how to connect with people, how to face depression, overcome anxiety, and learn just what it means to be well. But what's really cool about his show is you can even leave a voicemail or send an email and he'll address your topic or question about mental or emotional help on the show. So no matter what you're going through, the Dr. John Deloney show is here for you. Listen to the Dr. John Deloney show wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link on the website. 
And now let's welcome Jennifer Kaufman to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. It's great to be with you today. So I was recently watching your documentary and I'm just enthralled by the whole thing. But let's start at the beginning. What led you to focusing on healing naturally? What was that first experience at the Boston Marathon like? So first and foremost, I have no background in medicine or natural healing. What happened was while I was in the ER after the bombings had taken place, my experience in the ER was pretty traumatic. And in that experience, I heard an inner voice that said that I needed to learn how to heal naturally. And honestly, I didn't know what to make of it at the time. But I want to give you a little bit of backstory so you understand what, you know, how I came to make this decision. So I had struggled with panic, anxiety, disorder, and depression on and off since my teenage years. And I had been on various types of antidepressants, anti-anxiety medication. And it was a couple of years before the bombings took place. I was turning 40 and I wasn't feeling great, actually. And I had a bunch of tests done and everything came back, quote unquote, normal. But something felt off to me. And I ended up doing some more intensive blood work, and I found out that I was actually having adverse reactions to all the medication that I'd been on from childhood all the way, you know, on again, off again, up through adulthood. And so that's the precursor. So when I was in the hospital and they wanted to inject me with these different types of chemicals and prescribe all this, you know, pain medicine, antidepressants, all that kind of stuff, I just realized. I needed to find a better way. And that's how I came to go down this path. So when you said that you heard this inner voice, we have thoughts all the time. And most people think that all the thoughts passing through is that inner voice. What was different about that voice that time? For me, there's a level of discernment. So my brain is active, right? And so I sometimes can have monkey brain, which is there's, you know, there's, you know, we get, I think, 60,000 thoughts a day. It's insane. But this particular voice had a softness and a subtleness, but like a directness about it, right? It wasn't a, a chatter type of, of thought passing through it. It felt like a parent, like, you know, saying, hey, this would be a good course of action to take. So when you had that experience at the Boston Marathon, you said you were already dealing with anxiety and depression and things like that. Now you had this thing that was tied to those feelings, was that did that make your process of wanting to heal different or help you to find direction in a way? Yes, absolutely. So I want to say that I had various times in my life dealt with anxiety and panic and depression. At the time the bombings took place, I was not experiencing that before the bombings, just to be clear. But what interestingly enough, I was told at different stages in my journey before the bombings took place that I'd be on medication for the rest of my life. And I was like, I don't want to be on medication for the rest of my life. Yes, it took the edge off, but it never made me feel good, completely good. It never made me feel that. So over time, I eventually got myself off of medication. And that's how I stumbled into meditation and how I stumbled into breath work. All of these things, you know, I found before the bombings took place. So when the bombings happened, I was able to take these natural, holistic, modalities that were working for me before the bombings and apply them in this situation. And I didn't take any medication as a result. That's so incredible. I am such a proponent to healing naturally. And, but it's, I know that it's difficult because here's an example. So I was pregnant and I was having these debilitating headaches and I was like, I don't want to take a medication for this. But then at some point it's like, well, will it just work, I need the quick fix on like day five of a headache. Or one of my friends is like, yeah, you're so into holistic healing, but I bet if you got cancer, you'd be like, oh my God, and go into panic mode and want chemo. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't because (laughs) my dad did chemo and I watched that whole fight. And so my point is, is that often when you're experiencing that pain in the moment, it's so much more difficult to begin to trust something that you haven't proven to yourself works yet. What was your process of going all in on alternative treatments? And what was going through your mind? How did you talk yourself through that to have a little faith in the process? (music) 
I'm constantly sharing with my clients to stop searching in life and instead start aligning. It's true with purpose, with relationships, with higher versions of yourself, and it's also true for hiring. The best way to search is actually just to match with Indeed. Indeed is your one-stop hiring platform with millions of job seekers visiting every month, and their powerful matching engine helps you find quality candidates fast. Plus, Indeed lets you schedule interviews, screen applicants, and message candidates all in one place. But Indeed isn't just about speed. They also deliver quality. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. I love Indeed because it makes hiring so much easier. I'm all about alignment in all areas of my life, and that includes people I hire to work in my business. So I need a hiring partner that makes it simple to find candidates with the right skills. And that's Indeed. And what's really cool is Indeed's matching engine gets smarter the more you use it, learning from your preferences and over 140 million qualifications. Plus, I love that I can do all my hiring in one place. It's just one less thing to keep track of between all of the other things. So join over 3.5 million businesses worldwide who rely on Indeed to find great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash MindLove. Just go to Indeed.com slash MindLove right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash MindLove. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I really need to get something off my chest. Being a mom of a three-year-old boy is really freaking hard, and sometimes it has me questioning my sanity. But then he'll grab my face and call me his sweet little mama. Yes, that's a real thing he says, (laughs) and it will all melt away until I break his banana. I thought I was done with emotionally abusive relationships, but nope. We all carry around stressors, big and small, and when we keep them all bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. For me, just talking things through is hugely helpful, but it's so hard finding friends and family that are unbiased or non-judgmental. And therapy isn't just about dealing with major trauma, you know? It's about learning healthy coping mechanisms, setting boundaries, becoming the best version of yourself. And BetterHelp makes it super convenient, too. Everything's done online so you can fit therapy sessions around your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash MindLove today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash MindLove. How did you talk yourself through that to have a little faith in the process? So what happened was when I was rushed into the ER, I was met with a slew of doctors and nurses. So I was overwhelmed by that experience. And of course, they were doing all different types of tests to see what was actually happening in my body. One of the tests was I went and got a CAT scan. And at this point, I was just with the technician. There was no one else in the room. And the technician had indicated that she needed to inject me with this dye and that this dye would make me feel like I needed to wet my pants. It would make me feel hot like I had a fever and it would make me feel like I was sucking on a penny. And I thought to myself, I don't want to experience any of them. I already am experiencing so much physical pain in my body. I don't want any more, you know, on top of that. And so I pleaded with her. I'm like, can't you do this test without this? And she said, no, it has to be done. It's, it's contrast. And we, need to see if you're bleeding internally. And I remember being, you know, in a quandary because I didn't want to take the stuff at the same token, you know, I'm being told, well, if we don't do this test and we won't know if you're bleeding internally. And so I relented and I actually had them inject the contrast and I felt every single one of those um, symptoms. And I had already been feeling terrified and awful because of what had happened. And I thought to myself, there has to be a better way, and I don't want to go through this. So when I got back into the ER, I just was like, this is not how I want to live the rest of my life. And I've got to tell you, my life was flashing before my eyes at that point. I didn't know if I was going to live to make it another day. And I thought, if I, you know, do I want to die in the hospital? The answer was no. And certainly not in that way. So that's what made the decision, albeit scary, because it was scary. I didn't know how to do that. I had no knowledge on how to do that. 
But the alternative didn't work for me. That wasn't an option. So I kind of was at this crossroads of like, well, I know what this feels like. I've been down this road before, right? And it didn't really work for me. It served its purpose at a moment in time, but it wasn't a long-term solution. And I was like, well, what do I have to lose? And that's how I came to the decision. What were you experiencing in your body before the treatment? Like what, what was your pain? What was your experience with that? So I had excruciating ear pain from being 15 feet from the explosion. I also was thrown into the barricade, the cement barricade, and I was wearing a camera with a full, you know, a full lens and that protruded into my abdomen. So it felt like I had this protruding gaping hole in my stomach, even though I physically didn't. Energetically, I did, but physically I didn't. And so I had a lot of internal swelling of my major organs. Um, I also had spinal injuries and I later had um, a mild uh, traumatic brain injury. What was your first discussion with somebody that made you feel hopeful? What did you end up choosing to be that step one of healing that did start to work? So the very first step for me was I called a therapist that I had worked with in my early 30s when my dad passed away unexpectedly. And she was the first person I called probably like 24, 36 hours after the bombings had taken place. And she cleared her schedule and I went and saw her. And one of the first things I said to her was, there has to be a way to do this process without any medication. I said, if you're going to push medication, I'm not interested. And so she met me where I was with at. And then we just, she did this immersion therapy with me. So that was the first thing. Then a friend actually messaged me and got me an appointment to see a chiropractor who did this gentle form of chiropractic touch, not manual adjustments that I had been used to prior. And so that's actually how it happened. Friends made appointments on my behalf without me even asking to get me the help that I needed. So I had to surrender and trust that the universe would provide the direction because I didn't know what the direction was going to be. So did you already have that type of mindset where you did trust the universe or was it this no. experience? <laughs> That's what I, it usually is an experience like this that kind of leads you down that path. What was the process of that surrender like for you if you had never done it before? Uh, it was scary. It was vulnerable. And it was as if I had blinders on. I honestly did not know. But what it did, what it taught me was to trust my instincts enough to take the first step. And the first step, as I indicated, was to reach out to my therapist. And my therapist was able to get me in. Then it was, you know, answering the call from a friend who made an appointment, you know, on my behalf to meet with a chiropractor that could help in a gentle form. Then another friend had reached out and made an appointment to see a brain integration therapist. I had never even heard of the term brain integration therapist before. And the old me would have, like, if I was had any, you know, um, sense of awareness at that point, I would have been Googling it. I would have been researching it, like, before I jumped in. But I wasn't at the state to do that. I just wasn't. I just hadn't, I had all I could do just to stay, stay in the moment. And so I just trusted, like, something inside of me just knew, like, okay, this person made the appointment. I'm going to trust that I need to go here, even though I don't know what this is. And what, and I was, so I was open enough and here's the deal. I was so, so committed to finding an alternative way that I feel as though, you know, the universe gave me breadcrumbs and it wasn't all at the same time. It was, it was steps and phases. I feel like that's always how it is. Uh, what I've learned over time is I had completely cut off my intuition for a long time. And actually what I'm coming to terms with is that might be by design. I am pretty sure that <laughs> the way society is structured is meant to turn off people's inner wisdom. It's like a sit da- down, shut up, obey type thing. And so it's like, no wonder when we're older, we don't know how to listen to that interview voice. We're kind of used to following orders and just doing what we're told and doing what everyone else tells us to do and what's normal. And so when I was trying to find that voice, it was really hard to weed out all thoughts from the actual inner voice. And I didn't realize that all the thoughts in my head weren't me and my inner wisdom. (laughs) Now I kind of know that, you know, thoughts appear. That's my mind's job is just to think. And I, I get to choose which thoughts I attach to. And so I'm curious though, when you're going into heal things that are actual physical ailments, how much of your healing in was 
mindset work versus physical work? I would actually say it was not just mindset, physical, but it was spiritual. It was actually an integration process. So this is this is where I perceive that where we're heading in energy medicine is that it's an integration of mind, body, and soul. And until we actually integrate all those aspects, I don't feel as though we truly heal. And so it wasn't just mindset. It wasn't just physical. It literally was all three. So that experience literally opened me up and brought me home, if that makes sense. Here's the irony. The irony is I was running from my past and running from my traumas, hoping to outrun them. And then it took me being at the marathon for the very first time, a major iconic running event, to stop me in my tracks, put me in a position where I had nothing but to face all of my traumas, not just the bombings. What ended up happening, and this is where post-traumatic stress comes into play, is that unresolved trauma lives in our body. It's stored in our cells. So when we have a traumatic experience, what happens is that we can have a flashback of that recent experience. But then over time, we can have flashbacks of other unresolved traumas. And it's like you're living and witnessing your very own horrific nightmare all at the same time. It's like you're watching a horror movie and you feel like you can't control it. And so why I created the film and why I'm speaking out on it today is because I want to share my story and how I rose up from that and more importantly became the woman I am today and I want to inspire and empower others that they can do it too. It doesn't need to take a terrorist attack. In my case, that's what it was. But let's be clear. People in the last two years have dealt with the loss of a loved one due to COVID. They've lost, in some cases, they've lost jobs. They've lost homes. They've lost their livelihoods. They've, you know, They've had separation between families, some that view, you know, whether to have a vaccine, not have a vaccine, right? Like every person on the planet has experienced some form of trauma. We don't need to get into the story of what it is, but we all have experienced it. The question is, are you, we or you going to continue to be a victim to it or Here's what I learned, and it took me 44 years to learn this, Melissa. When I was in my deepest, darkest night of the soul, after the bombings took place, trying to reconcile all that had happened, and I couldn't, I got curious at some stage. And I got curious because my meditation teacher planted this seed. She said, someday you're going to see this as the greatest gift in your life. And I thought, are you crazy? This completely shattered my world and life as I knew it was over. And you're going to say that it was the greatest gift. Like, how could you? But I knew as a person that I respected and I had, you know, been under for a couple of years, you know, you know, uh, under her tutelage in meditation, I was like, she wouldn't say anything to hurt me. So that even though I was upset and angry in that moment, you know, something landed and fast forward over time. I started to ask myself different questions. And the questions were, what if this was happening for me rather than to me? Completely shifted things. When I, when I asked myself the question, what if it's happening to me, I instantly went into a victim mentality mode and I, I had a loss of power and felt out of control and felt powerless. But when I shifted the question, and said, well, what if this were happening for me, even though I wouldn't wish this upon anyone ever, but what if it were happening for me, gave me my power back? And I'm like, okay, if that's possible, well, what if I started to change my mindset and perspective and look for the good that happened in this horrific situation? By the way, they both can coexist. Yes, I can honestly say before you today, that is one of the most horrific experiences I've ever lived through. And today, I can honestly tell you it's the greatest gift of my life because it taught me mind, body, and soul integration and helped me get on my path and my purpose in life, something I never thought I'd be doing today. I have experienced trauma as well, and I use that same mindset flip to see another side. When I started to see it that way, uh, it was a good like 
mm, probably seven years after it happened. That's when I started to even find the tools to deal with it. And so in that time, yes, I had already made a lot of positive changes. If you're using that same tool when you're still in that dark night of the soul, how do you help people to come to terms with that before they've made those steps of it being for positive? And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams, Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs, all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. How do you help people to come to terms with that before they've made those steps of it being for positive? How do you guide people through that? So here's the the thing, right? So here's what I've come to understand now. This is all teaching me how to take back my power, right? And to rise up from that situation. So in the beginning, I did not know how to do that. But here's what I did. As being a business coach and business consultant for years, I put my coaching hat on. And I said to him, now I have a niece that looks very much like me. And I would say, if Megan were dealing with this, how would I coach her? How would I help her through this? And I would take whatever insight or wisdoms I got for her and apply them to myself. So it might be something like, okay, like I might be dealing with rage, like out of control rage. And and listen, everybody has, you know, a justification or right to be angry. But literally, guys, it's toxic. It's toxic. It's like you might as well drink your own poison. And and I would I remember in in some of my darkest, you know, days, I'd be so pissed off that I couldn't even be pissed off. And I was like, well, this isn't working because it's literally setting me back. It was setting me back physically, setting me back mentally. It was just setting me back. And I realized the power lied within myself and not outside of myself. And so I had to shift and, and get myself to a place of compassion for myself, right? Because if, if I were dealing with my niece had gone through that, I would throw nothing but love and compassion towards her. But in that moment, I was struggling to access it for myself. But because I used a trick, a mind hack, which worked for me at the time, which was basically applying what I would do for my niece to myself. And then I would say, well, what's something loving I can do? And it might be cuddling up on the couch and swaddling myself in a blanket so I could feel safe in my own skin. It might be sleeping with a nightlight. Yes, I was 44 years old, actually 42, when the bombings took place. And I slept with a blanket and a nightlight. I don't think I've ever shared that live. (laughs) 
Oh, I love it actually. Like the those types of things have been so healing for me as well and I'm still uncovering things that are unresolved. And one of the things that I've realized though is that for a long time I held on to anger even while I was doing other types of work because it felt like if I let it go I was condoning or giving permission to what was done to me. But then I realized, first of all, I'm the only person who feels my anger. <laughs> and so it's, it's like I'm sitting there all mad thinking like this is what they deserve. And I'm like, but this is the energy I'm carrying. And it is literally impossible to feel compassion for yourself and to give something that you don't currently feel. And so if I'm only feeling anger, I'm also giving anger to myself. So the only way to feel compassion give myself compassion is to feel compassion. And that includes like giving compassion to others, giving compassion to myself, but it all comes from the energy that I'm carrying. And without that, like it's, what's that old phrase, like holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot coal and expecting the other person to get burned. Or I read another one recently that was like holding on to anger is a punishment we give to ourselves for someone else's actions, (laughs) which it's just so true. You know, it, it is it is absolutely true. And I want to say something because I think this is a really great point about anger. So for me, growing up, there was no place for anger. Like if you were angry, you got it. I got a timeout. So I learned very early on, like anger wasn't good. And then fast forward, you go into school, right? Like you can't be angry in school because that has consequences. And then, you know, you go into, you know, fast forward, you get out of school and you go to university and there's no outlet for that. You go into the corporate world, or at least I did, there was no outlet for that. It's like, so anger was this bad emotion. And it was like something to avoid. And so here's what I did. I stuffed and stuffed and stuffed my anger until a bomb went off to get me to explode. Now, here's the thing. I needed to get that physical stuck energy out of my cells and out of my body. But I want to be very clear that does not give me or anyone the permission to lash out at another human being or to basically harm myself in that release, right? What worked best was to be a witness to my anger and just allow it, like everything is energy in motion. And if we allow that to crest and and come up and out of us, statistics show, and Christy Whitman, who I have featured as um, one of my mentors and experts in the film, talks about we can literally shift an emotion in 90 seconds if we allow it, but we often stop it when it's about to crest because it's very uncomfortable. But when we can be with it and then let it pass through us and then bring in that other energy of compassion or love or peace is when we do the real healing. And you're 100% right. We think it's about the other person. I just had this experience actually with a, a dear friend of mine. You know, I had this feeling of feeling betrayed and feeling not heard. And that was my truth. And then, you know, when I went into that, I got really angry and I felt like a victim to that situation. And it took me a little bit of time to get to the place of, hold on a second here. Nobody can betray me unless I allow that to happen. Nobody can abandon me unless I allow that to happen. So where am I not listening to myself? Where am I betraying myself and what, what, you know, what I feel divinely called to do? But what happened was the universe sent me somebody who I love and who I care for to have this experience to make it seem like she's the enemy. And trust me, my mind wanted to go there and it did go there. I had to rise above my mind and get to my heart center and to show love and compassion not only for her, but for myself. And I had to stop and say, okay, where am I out of alignment? Because I'm the only one that got myself out of alignment. No one else did it to me. And that's where we take our true power back. And that's where true love comes into place. And if the world can understand this, I promise you we'll rise above this and we will stop to have wars with one another. We will stop having you know, racism, I believe. We'll stop having these separation, you know, where we don't feel heard and we don't feel um, understood. I love that. I have been recently diving back into Byron Katie's work, the work Mm -hmm. as she calls it. And 
I read this book or I listened to the audiobook um years ago, but it was at a time where I was like trying to read as many things as possible and <laughs> I think I was listening to everything on like 2.5x and something inspired me to go back and listen to it at a normal speed, still a little bit sped up, but you know. And uh it's just hitting so differently. Like I can't stop talking about it this last week. I'm like, "Oh my god, it feels like all new information." And the audiobook is particularly special because it has clips from her workshops working with people. And I'm just feeling myself in so many of these examples. But I remember in the beginning of my self-development journey, learning that other people are just a reflection of you in a way, you know, and and your issues with people are a reflection of your issues within yourself. And it sounded like a good concept, but I don't think I fully grasped it. And I love the way that Byron Katie does the turnarounds. And I heard you do something so similar when you were talking. You said, you know, you thought your friend betrayed you, but I had to ask myself, how am I betraying myself? And Byron Katie talks about uh, doing the flip in multiple different ways. So if you said, I'm angry at my friend because she betrayed me, you'd flip it to, I'm angry at myself because I betrayed me. I'm angry at myself because I betrayed my friend. And to really think about those and just ask yourself, is this as true or more true than the original statement? And to hear some of these people have these revelations was like cracking open revelations in myself. And I actually have a list of people (laughs) from like eight years ago or 12 years ago that I am planning on contacting because of this. But it's just those moments are such a powerful turnaround. But I'm wondering when you did turn that around, because I think this is the part that a lot of people, including myself at times, have struggled with, is then what is the action that you take? How do you, you had anger at your friend, you realized issues within yourself. Do you just let that issue go completely? Do you have a conversation with your friend? Do you journal with yourself? What's your process of resolving that either within yourself or within your friend or both? So it actually, all of the above is true for me and it depends on the situation. So the truth is, I was trying to have a conversation, but she wasn't open to it at that time. And so that made me more angry because I felt powerless at that point because I truly wanted to resolve what was coming up. But but I needed to be able to respect where she was at. So I was like, okay, well, I can choose to give my power away and feel stuck in that moment or... I can take my power back and do my own inner work. And so for me, um, in this particular experience that I'm talking about, a few things happen. I allowed myself to feel the emotion, which didn't feel good. So I allowed it to come up. I allowed it to crest. I allowed it to press through me. And for me, there were waves of it. And it went from anger to sadness, anger to sadness in multiple waves. And then I eventually got to a place of it had, it had passed. And when that had passed, I then asked myself this question, what what can I be grateful for in this experience? And what do I love and appreciate about my friend? And my mom always taught me. Now, I never always listened to this, but my mom always would say to me, always leave a person better off than you found them. Now, I've, I've not always heeded that wisdom. But I remembered that statement yesterday when I was going through this experience. And I was like, okay, what is the most loving thing I can do right now? And so I acknowledged in a very heartfelt way, I wasn't in, you know, I wasn't inauthentic. I was completely authentic of my feelings towards her. And so rather than throw, lash out an anger and a fit, and I did a little bit of that. And then I pulled back going, this isn't serving anyone. I allowed myself to process all of those raw emotions within myself, replace it with compassion, not replace it, but once I got to the other side, I was able to access compassion. And then from compassion, I was able to get to love and gratitude. So it's a process, right? So if you were to look at, if you were to look at, you know, energy frequencies, like every emotion has a frequency. So anger is like, you know, pretty down low on the, on the spectrum, along with shame and and guilt and all of that, right? And so, you know, it's really difficult to go from anger to love, right? Like, like it just doesn't, like, it's just not how it works. It, you know, for me, I've got to get to a place of neutrality. And so the neutrality is the compassion 
when I can bring compassion to myself and to the other person in this situation, that gives me the access point or the neutrality to go to either peace or love or acceptance or gratitude, for example, which are higher vibrations of energy on the spectrum. And this is where we start to release our pain body and tap more into our light body. Listen, at the end of the day, we were born to love. We lost our way. You know, we learned how to hate through societal norms, through limiting beliefs, through various forms. But when we can return to love of self, and you said it earlier in this, in this interview, is that I can't give what I don't have. So I was able to rise up from my anger and profound sadness and tap into the gratitude and love and appreciation. And as a result, I was able to give it. That's a really healing thing for everyone involved, including the the person who's giving it. And what if we did more of that in the world? That takes having a level of discipline and having a level of courage to go there. Because listen, I'm like every other human being. Well, she did it to me. How come she can't be the one to take responsibility and apologize, right? Classic victim mentality. I struggle with that from time to time too. Why do I always have to be the one to do that, which is also another victim mentality? Well, if you have the awareness and you have the ability, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the other person to take the higher road. And and every time that we do that, we send new vibration out into the ether which is more positive and more healing and more loving. And and the more of us that do this, we will evolve and we will rise up and we will learn that our God-given ability is just to thrive. We don't need to struggle. We don't need to suffer. And when people can understand this, we can rise above it and tap into what I perceive to be heaven on earth. And we can live lives where we're actually thriving in our, our most alive, aligned self. I love what you said about if you have the awareness to do something better, to be in your higher self, then that's basically a gift you can give to the world. It's kind of like being, say, like you're the tall one in a couple and you're like pissed that your wife keeps asking you to get stuff off the top shelf. It's like, well, you're the tall one. You know, you're the one who can see what's up there. And so I, my process is very similar. I first want to bring it back to what you said earlier about not shaming your emotions. I was taught the same thing, you know, like I'm not by my parents, thankfully, but I think just by society, you know, certain emotions are deemed aggressive or not appropriate for public. And so you, you start to hide certain things. And I did that for a really long time. And so for me, when I'm feeling a certain way, and it's interesting how those friendship quarrels can hurt so badly. It's like, they do feel like betrayal. Like, (laughs) and it's sometimes it can be over something so small, but it's like, you're supposed to be my bestie. But my first step is always getting the emotions out without directing it at someone else. Someone on this show once told me that once you bring other people into your emotional expression in a way where you're aiming it at them, that's when you start to accrue karma. (laughs) And I thought of that whenever something like that happens, you know, you want to leave that little passive aggressive text message or tell the person just how much they hurt you when first I'm like, wait, can I get this energy to move through my body first? Because I know the only thoughts that are going to come, which means the only actions that are going to proceed after that are ones that hold the same energy. So can I shift it a little bit without thinking about that whole story? And so instead of sitting there crying and like going over all the details of why I'm upset, I think I try not to think about it and just think about the movement of the energy. And so the other day, actually, I was doing something similar. (laughs) My husband walks into my office. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm getting some rage out. And I was just throwing stuffed animals (laughs) against the wall (laughs) as hard as I could. But then after that, I was like able to laugh a little bit. I felt just different. It was like after a good workout type feeling. And then I'm able to process some of the things that are going on in my mind and and challenging some of the thoughts that are starting to feel so real. And so I try to use all the mindset tools I have like a Rolodex and I'll just like like flip through different ways to think about the subject, whether or not they feel true at the time until one feels good. And then I'll sit, when one starts to feel good, I'll sit with that and try to add evidence to it. And so an example of this is like, you know, if a friend does something that makes me really angry, one 
two of the ways that usually end up working to uh, think about it differently is the first one is what if the universe used that person as a vessel? What is what if that that moment was not their true nature, but I needed this and they were the ones that stepped up to be that person, even if it didn't feel good for them either, but they helped in in my evolution a little bit. So that's one of the ways that I love looking at it. And the other way, this one's a little more out there, but uh, you never know. Reality is complicated. And you know how different spiritual leaders have said different things like, like, people are a reflection of you or time isn't linear. Everything's happening at once. Or your version of reality is different than someone else's version of reality. What if I'm the only person experiencing that version of them because that's what I need and someone else is experiencing a completely different version of them. So the version of them I'm experiencing is still all about me and what I need to work on. And maybe the rest of the world is experiencing their true nature as just love and light. And when I think of it that way, I'm like, okay, this is definitely all about me. There's no one to blame, including myself. And so now all there is to do is sit with it and try to work it out so that I am carrying the energy I want to spread. And, and to that point, it's like, it's like what I said, like trauma or these triggers are actually like the manure that you put on a seedling, right? What if it actually is the very thing that gets you to blossom and bloom to your higher, you know, best self. And that in, in the, these are designed to get you in alignment with your soul's purpose and get you on your path. And when we can come like that, like when we can understand that, again, it's easier to say, oh, right, it's happening for me. Like this is actually happening for me. I needed to have this experience to open me up to something else that's about to happen. I don't know what that is, but that's it. And so now I'm back into present, I'm back into love and all is well again. By the way, I want, I want to say one other thing. You know, I, Christy Whitman's one of my spiritual mentors, right? And she talks about this, right? We either live in the drama triangle or we live in love. And we vacillate. As human beings, we vacillate, you know, back and forth, back and forth. And the drama triangle is this. You've got the persecutor, you've got the rescuer, and you've got the victim. And somebody's playing a role, Right. And so, and there's no cheese in that, in that triangle, none. It's just finger pointing, woes me, or you did this, right? And what I realized was I was in a drama triangle and I was like, okay, well, I have the power to get myself out of it. And then I just chose, as I indicated, compassion, which led me to love. And then I got myself out of that situation. But where we often get stuck as human beings is like we expect the other person to do it, to be the one to, you know, say the right things or, you know, apologize or whatever. But if we sometimes if we wait, we and we hold our breath, like we're not going to have much (laughs) to be alive for. Like we've got to do that for ourselves. And so, you know, it's time. It's time for us all to look our traumas in the in the mirror and say, okay, and stop being a victim to them and recognize that they're here to shape us, to mold us, to be our best versions of ourselves and to teach us how to love again. Right. And, and it's like challenge even those thoughts of what you think you need. Like, do I really need that person to apologize? Like, what is that going to give me? Except for allowing me to scapegoat my own work because now that person did the work for me. So I look at it as a blessing when someone doesn't apologize and leaves it all to me to do the inner work and the outer work. So Mm -hmm. I love your story and I love your documentary and I was going through your book as well. So for listeners that are interested in learning more about your experience and what you're giving to the world, what you're sharing with the world, where's the best place for them to connect? Um, you can go to jenniferkaufman.com and you can learn all about the different projects. Uh, my latest transformational project is There's Got to Be More to Life. Anybody that is struggling right now with adversity must watch this film. It will meet you where you're at and teach you some of the what I perceive to be the fundamentals to get you out of that situation. And if you want to learn about the books that I've um, written, I've got a best-selling book called Shattered, a kid's book on hashtag be courageous, and then a book I um, featured in with Jack Canfield. All of that is on my website, jennifercoffman.com. But if you want to watch the film, we're actually giving away some amazing things. There's got to be more to life.com. 
um, will give you access to watch the film. You'll get a free downloaded ebook on thriving. We also give away a really great meditation um, sync up. It's a sound meditation, high frequency sound meditation. It's about 11 minutes, all on receiving, teaching you how to open up to receive more love, more prosperity, more peace in your life, whatever it is that you're you're seeking. And for those that um, act now, we are gifting $2 for every movie ticket sale back to save a veteran's life. We want to help eradicate um, suicide amongst veterans. So that's how you can play a role in making a difference. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 220. Your challenge for this week is to rewrite your story. Sometimes it's kind of daunting to look at your entire story and rewrite it, but pick one thing. What's one thing that you go back to? What's one thing where you're still placing the blame on somebody else? And let me clarify, that's not to say that people aren't at fault or that people don't do bad things to other people or that you deserved any of it. But sitting in the victimhood of saying this happened to me and there's nothing I can do about it doesn't really get you anywhere, unfortunately. That doesn't mean you condone the actions or that it's okay. It just means that from here on, you realize that you are the only person responsible for your life. And there will be a ton of things out of your control. And the only thing you can control is your reaction to it. I've been reflecting on some of those stories recently. I have rewritten the big ones. I know the big ones, but there's still some little ones that have a hold on me in a little way. For example, a friendship that fell away and me still looking at the parts that only that person did and not looking how I showed up in my own life with that situation. Not looking at some of my reactions or the things I've held on to, even if it's just that that person isn't a good person or that person is immature. It's not my place to judge someone else. So I am taking control of that story and I'm looking at my side. I'm also sending love to that person, seeing them beyond their fallible human ego and looking at their soul. And it's healing. That one's a tricky one because it's easy to just be like, oh, no, I did what's best for me. I moved forward by cutting that person out of my life. But if I'm still holding on to this view of someone from my limited human perspective, I'm not really doing a service to myself or the world or that other person. They don't need to be in my life for me to send them love, for me to see that maybe they were still a good person underneath. I look at my son and I'm like, Imagine the people he might hurt one day, because he will, everyone does. We've all hurt somebody. Can I even imagine anyone looking at him through the lens that I might look at someone who hurt me? It doesn't feel fair. I would wanna shake them and say, but you just get to know him. Look what a sweet little boy he is. He has a good heart. Now, why can't I do that for everyone in my life? They were somebody's son or daughter. That ex-boyfriend who I thought destroyed my life, he has a mom. I'm sure she's in pain too. I'm sure she wants people to look at her little boy and see what she sees. And again, this forgiveness aspect is not for the other person. I do not plan on calling him and telling him this. Some other people I do plan on calling them and telling them that I am sorry, but not him. I feel like that relationship is severed and I do not want... (laughs) any connection at all anymore but i can energetically forgive i can forgive within myself i can know that that person was brought into my life for a reason and i needed this pivot just as much as he needed the pivot so thank you thank you for being the conduit for my own transformation so i want to know how you rewrite your story or where you get stuck You can leave a comment on this show notes page at mindlove.com slash 220 so you can see what other people have written or you can reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. If you would like to support this show, there's a few ways you can do it. The free ways are by sharing or leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can send it right to a friend or take a screenshot and tag mindlovemelissa and mindlovepodcast. Or you can join Mind Love Premium. This is my favorite way. Mindlove.com slash premium. 
All of my premium members are such a support for the creation of this show. It allows me to always keep mind love in the direction that feels authentic to me. And finally, supporting any of my amazing sponsors. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 